see it, don't need to. Welcome to Didn't See It, Don't Need To, the podcast that asks the eternal question, how much shit can you give to a movie that you've never seen? If I sound defeated, it's because today we are doing the movie Cry Macho, and I'm just struggling to think of to think of what I would say about this movie, but I'm, I'm hoping I'll come up with things, but I'm sort of pre de- sort of depressed. I feel like that's a, a real risk of this podcast is because the premise is movies not worth seeing. It's likely, if not entirely certain that the movies we're going to talk about are going to, to be somewhat technical here. Cause you know, I did go to film school, that they're going to suck, but I'm looking forward to the day who knows when it will come when we review without seeing, of course, a movie that's probably, you know, good. And we can just give an upbeat review at the same time as being, you know, la, 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 not going to see it. I look forward to that day, too. Alas, today is not that day. I don't think it is. So let us begin with our opening remarks. I'm going to let you go first, if that's okay with you. I will be happy to go first and I'll try to keep it brief. So this is another Clint Eastwood movie. He's, you know, 326 years old and keeps going, still making the movies. Uh, You and I are both fans of country music. And there is a way, this is like a country music, except in the genre of cinema, it's not quite a Western, but its hero is an ex-rodeo guy. And of course, that's a standard character for country music. I can think of any number of excellent rodeo songs that I would like to see get made into movies. You know, like Garth has a couple. He's got a song called Rodeo and one called Good Ride Cowboy. There's the classic I Can Still Make Cheyenne by George Strait. That would be a great movie. But we don't get those movies. Instead, we get like Electric Horseman which was mostly a movie about how Robert Redford was aging out of being a matinee idol. And then things like Eight Seconds with Luke Perry, which, you know, God rest his soul, it wasn't a great movie. And so I really want a movie that gets this theme of like the rodeo and the old broken guy who's got life lessons. I'm here for that. I'm here for that. And this is clearly not the country music rodeo movie that we want. It's obviously just atrocious. It's, I guess, sort of like liberal Clint as opposed to ultra reactionary Clint, although more on that in a second, and I don't care. It sounds really boring. He ends up on this mission as a 91-year-old guy playing uh, some guy in his 60s, maybe, we don't know, heads down to Mexico to find, rescue, and bring back the kid of a former friend of his or something. Like, it just sounds boring. And not even sort of the interesting intentional boredom of, you know, Clint's movie Unforgiven, which was boring. But it's boredom had a point, right? That it was the story about a former thug who'd chosen the good life, the straight life. And the point was the straight life is boring as fuck. So that was sort of boredom with a point, which I'm maybe okay with, although in general, I don't like to be bored at the movies. But this movie is clearly boring without a point. So fuck this movie. And the last thing I'll say is, it sort of seems from the plot summary, like this movie is gonna pose an interesting problem for Clint Eastwood's reactionary, hyper-racist nationalist fan base, which he has carefully developed through movie after movie. 
And in this movie, the theme seems to be how is he going to smuggle a Mexican person across the border, which is, of course, the great unacceptable phenomenon for the reactionary nationalist fan base. Is there something interesting about that? Well, it turns out there's not, that this movie resolves that problem by not having Clint bring the kid across the border. The reactionary fan base, despite the sort of being liberal Clint, actually doesn't have to confront the problem of how they feel about Clint uh, helping someone you know, sneak across the border. And it's all okay for the neo-fascists. And that's the last thing I'll say about this movie. I, in some ways I have nothing to add. I'd like to say that before we, uh, joined each other on Zoom tonight, I read Clint Eastwood's Wikipedia page and I was really blown away by his um, his personal life. I, I have nothing against like, you know, people having multiple partners or multiple children with multiple partners, but the last line of his Wikipedia personal life is Eastwood refuses to confirm his exact number of offspring. <laughs> the other thing I want to say is I can't, I can't remember the name. Oh, Mule. Mule is the name of the last movie that he made. And I read, I actually read a review in the guardian by some person whose name I've forgotten, um, who also had to review, review Mule like in 2018. And I, all I could think of was like, what horrible thing to have to review Mule and then like just turn around and have to review this movie because they're sort of the same movie. I mean, they're not, but in the sense that, you know, Clint is always like the, the old guy with the lessons, but those lessons aren't really worth, worth learning. And then in both of these movies, he has, he's the object of desire of much younger women who just cannot resist him. And apparently in the movie Mule, he has like two threesomes. <laughs> Did you see Mule? Listen, I did not see Mule and I'm not going to. However, I did read several reviews and the reviews were unanimous in their discussion of the threesomes. Yeah. So there's no threesomes in this movie. In, in, there's no threesomes in Cry Macho, which bodes well for it. But still, there, I, I guess there's a lot of women throwing themselves at him, which is hilarious. I do not have much more to say about this movie. Yeah, it's just like, you know, what, what Joshua said, plus... Glad there's no threesomes in it. Still won't see it. Didn't see it, don't need to. Why can you live without seeing this movie? Mostly because I just think it would be really boring. No, you know what? I think that it will be, there will be moments where I feel very uncomfortable for the actors. Dwight Yoakam is in it. Um, He can be okay in some things, but I feel like it just sounds as if people look very uncomfortable delivering their lines. And that makes me uncomfortable. And I don't need to add to my own uncomfortableness. I, I in fact, support your account of why one could live without seeing this movie. I don't see how I could live with myself if I did see this movie. Moving on. What is the thing that you would be dreading the most while watching this movie? The, the thing that I would be dreading the most would be the way that Clint Eastwood leers at the women who are interested in him. I, w- I mean, I would be dreading like that I might see some part of him naked, but they probably won't do that. So that would probably be like an unfounded 
dread, but I do know that he would like leer. Dreading that would just fill my entire body with like prickly horror. Yeah, again, I don't think I can offer a better answer than that one. I will say you mentioned Dwight Yoakam was in it. And, and like you, I'm, I'm soft on Dwight Yoakam, especially as an actor. I'm mixed on his music. It's a little bit too interested in authenticity in these moments. But as an actor, I've actually usually enjoyed him. And I, I, I don't think I would want to, you know, have to see him go, go through this movie. So, so I'd be dreading just watching him make his way through the uh, pitfalls and landmines of this, of this, of this film. Our last preset question before we enter the final freestyle phase, what would have to happen to you, Sarah Miller, for you to almost see this movie? I wonder if I would watch this movie on an airplane. No, I wouldn't watch it on an airplane. I mean, this is a really boring answer. Like if it was in front of me on an airplane, not like on the screen, but like on an old airplane where the movie was just on, I guess it would be that. And I probably would look up sometimes if there were horses on the screen and I would actually look at the horses and then I would look back down at my book. What, what about you? Yeah, I think the scenario you offer, a version of that might be the only one. I used to live, I lived for a period in Mexico, uh, in, a, in a town in southern Mexico that had a single internet cafe. And the internet cafe was in the, the front room and in, in a back room, they had a movie screen. Actually, maybe they just projected right on the wall. But they had a projector and they showed mo movies, although it's a mistake to use the term plural because they just showed the movie Heat over and over again on the wall all day long. And I'm trying to imagine if they showed Cry Macho instead, would I sit in the back room waiting for the terminal and watch some chunk of Cry Macho? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'll give it a maybe. You know, if you did that, I wouldn't fault you for it. I appreciate that. That's a real weight off of me. And with that sense of liberation, I want to lead us into our, uh, what is for me, I'll just put my cards on the table, my favorite part of the podcast. It's mine as well. Which is where we both come up with uh, a specific question just for this podcast. Each of us come up with two for the other person. Uh, and I'm going to invite you to go first and ask one of your questions. Okay. So you were talking about country music before, and we are both country music fans. And one of um, our current songs that we have we both happen to have in rotation like independently and then we discover that we both have it in rotation is what's your country song the name of the artist has escaped tom thomas rett is that correct thomas what's rett. your country song by thomas rett we both have that in rotation right now i'd like you to tell me if if you can what is this movie's country song and if you can't tell me that like what is your country song about clint eastwood or like, what do you think Clint Eastwood's country song is? Um, you can, cause I just, I wanna give you a couple options because I think it might be difficult. You know, that's a, a question that, that uh, I'm thrown by in a couple of ways, because of course the country songs that, that leap to mind immediately are the country songs I love, of which there's many. And it doesn't quite seem right to associate a great country song with this movie, which is clearly not great. So. I'm not sure, you know, I would want it to be, you know, my most optimistic version would be Friends in Low Places or something like that by, by Garth. 
I think it's clear that the country song, which has a sort of cross-border crime dynamic, as this movie does, you know, there's a song called Pancho and Lefty that Towns Van Zandt wrote that many people have recorded because it's just one of the greatest songs ever written. And, you know, as far as cross-border country crime narratives go, there'll never be anything greater than that. So maybe I can offer that as an answer. It's not the one that goes with this movie, but it's the one that really should replace this movie in the end. That's an excellent answer, I, I think, and, and a to a very challenging question. And I think you turned it around in a way that allowed you to answer it. And uh, that's a kind of resilience that we look for on, uh, on this podcast. Um, so. Yeah, well, I really do try my best when you, you know, you throw a good curveball. Here's my question for you. Who would you like to see directing and acting into their 90s? God, I'm going to have to say, um, and I don't know how to pronounce this person's name, but I, you know, my, my favorite movie is this French movie called Look at Me, and it is directed by uh, this woman, Agnes. You, how do you pronounce J-A-O-U-I? Joui? Joui, maybe. Yeah. Agnes Joui. Anyway, I love that movie and I love her in it. And so I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to say her. I wouldn't have guessed that in a million years. You came up with a surprising answer and I deeply appreciate that. I am ready for my final question. Okay, Joshua, what is the most macho thing you have ever done? Um, you know, it may be that the most macho thing I ever did was, you know, the way I talked to people at the few parties I went to in college. You know, I think I had average, which is to say bad gender politics, and it was kind of a douche in, in that way. I, you know, I hope I never really hurt anyone terribly, but I, but that's probably the, the honest answer as opposed to like some swaggering, tough thing I did, of which there's not many. Uh, so I'm just going to stick with that. I was going to suggest your um, recent taking on of becoming a, a good swimmer. That could be the case, although the best swimmers at the pool are almost all women. And the one dude who's a really good swimmer is a fucking asshole. So there's always like one asshole dude in every lane swimming situation, like someone who's who's just like thinks that they're training for the Olympics and that everyone else there is like has no right to be there. So I, I appreciate um, I appreciate the opportunity to think about that genre of human being, the asshole in the lane, uh, lane swimming situation. Yeah, this guy brings his own uh, big clock that he sets down at the end of the lane. So he oh can, really, and I should say he clearly doesn't think he's training for the Olympics. He's, he's uh, at least my age, I'm 58 years old. Um, the guy, the, I have to say the asshole guy in this lane swimming situation is always about is somewhere, I was always somewhere between 55 and 65. Yeah, I think that's right. It's kind of weird. Clint Eastwood could play them in yes, the movie. He could. And then like all these uh, women swimmers could come swimming up to Clint and be like, hey. Now I'm envisaging a whole 1940s, uh, you know, aqua choreography kind of, kind of thing. But before we lose track, I do have one more question for you. Oh, you do? Okay. Okay. Yes. Go ahead. Your, your very last personalized question. If the crime macho was a cocktail, what would be in it? I think it would be mezcal and uh, tapatio mixed together. 
something in me believes that already exists, but okay. It probably does. That's a great question. Um, I feel bad in some ways that I answered it so quickly, but you know, it's just what came to mind. So, you know, I'm going to say, uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to pat both of us on the back for getting through what could have been like a really excruciating recording session. You know, we do our best. We really do our best. We do. Didn't see it. Don't need to. Didn't see it. Didn't see it. Didn't Thank see you so it, much for listening to Didn't See It, Don't Need To. Thank you to my ho- my, my ho-host, my co-host, Joshua Clover. Thank you, everyone. And uh, we'd like to also thank our, our fine editor, Erica Heilman, and uh, our music person, Chuck Lindo, and our graphics person, Rebecca Ackerman. Thank you to all these people. And uh, Joshua, wonderful as always. Uh, I will see you soon. You know, as long as they keep making the movies, we'll keep on not seeing them. <laughs> Goodbye. See it, don't need to. Didn't, 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 didn't see it.